All right, what's up, Valley Creek? I am so glad that you are here with us today. Hey, whatever campus you're at, Denton, Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue, watching or listening online somewhere in the world, let's go ahead and welcome each other together for a moment. Come on. Come on, hey, whatever campus you're at, we are so glad that you are here. And if you've ever wondered, what's this whole multiple campus stuff? I'm just in one building wondering, what are these other campuses? Listen, we are one church that meets in multiple campuses that carries the hope of Jesus to thousands of locations. And what being one church in multiple campuses does is it allows us to reach more people. It allows us to develop more leaders. And it allows us to have a greater impact on our city and beyond. You see, it's one church in multiple campuses that allows us to be a movement of hope for the city and beyond. We all sacrifice a little bit. We give up some opinions, some preferences, some rights and come together to have an explosive impact on the world around us. And so whatever campus you're at, I am glad that you are here with us today. And we are in a series called Reclaim. And we're talking about taking back what's been lost. And this has been a big series. If you've been with us, you can feel it in your spirit. You can sense it in the atmosphere. You can kind of perceive it in the environment. Like God has been moving. He's done something totally different than I was expecting in this series. In fact, the series was supposed to end last week. That's how it was on the calendar. But I just tell you what, when God is moving, we're going to follow wherever it is that he wants us to go. And so I think what's happening is faith, hope, and love is rising up in our spirits. Like we're actually starting to believe that maybe some things were lost, that we could actually get them back. And what I want to tell you is that when God is moving, when the river of God is flowing, don't stand on the shore and watch it pass you by. Just jump in. Don't miss it and ask questions and wonder why or where it's going to go or how it started. Who cares? Just jump in. When he opens doors, walk through it. When he brings bread from heaven, eat it. When he tells you to throw the net over the other side of the boat, just do it. If the river is flowing, just jump in. Because God's moving because he wants to do something in your life. You see, in the series Reclaim, we're talking about taking things that have been lost back in our life. And I don't care who you are as you walk through life, you lose stuff. Things get lost, they get stolen, they get misplaced. Things you used to have victory over, things you used to have authority over, things that you used to walk in joy and flourish and be free in, somehow they get lost along the way. In fact, John 10.10, Jesus tells us that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy We have to remember that we have a very real enemy and he wants to steal, kill and destroy everything in your life. But the resurrected Jesus in Matthew 28 tells us all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. If Jesus has all authority, that means Satan has none. That means the best he can do is be a squatter in your life. All he can do is be a squatter. He can show up on something that belongs to you that Jesus says he has authority over and he wants to intimidate you and he wants to deceive you. Okay, I say it's time in Jesus' name to say, hey, squatter, get off my property because you don't belong here. 
And if Jesus has all authority, it means there is nothing in your life that is beyond the point of being able to be reclaimed. Somebody, that's all you need to hear today. There is nothing in your life, not your marriage, not your friendship, not your heart, not your mind, not your child, not your destiny, not your future, not your body. There is nothing in your life beyond the ability for it to be reclaimed in Jesus' name. You see, the kingdom is a kingdom of reclamation. God spends his whole existence seeking and saving that which is lost. He wants to go out and he wants to get it and he wants to bring it back. And when God goes and gets a lost thing, he doesn't just reclaim it, he blesses it. And he makes it even better than it was before. In fact, if you think of the first thing that was ever lost that needed to be reclaimed, it was us. The first thing that got lost was Adam in the garden. And when Adam sinned, everything got broken and God decided he was going to reclaim it. And when God reclaimed us in Jesus name, he made us even better now than we were in the garden back then. Think about it. He reclaimed and blessed. You say, wait, how is that in the garden? There was no sin. Everything was okay. I know Adam walked with God today in Jesus. God lives in us reclaimed and blessed. It's even better. Adam was made in the image and likeness of God. Today we're included in Christ. Adam walked with God. Today we walk in the Holy Spirit. God not only reclaimed us, he blessed us. And he gave us back even more in Jesus than we ever lost in Adam. He can give you more back than you lost in this world when in Jesus' name you go and you reclaim it. You see, if you've been reclaimed in Jesus' name, then you are literally anointed as a reclaimer. God has literally sent you out into this world to go and partner with him to seek and save lost things and get them back. And when we go and we get back the things we lost yesterday, they become the key to open up tomorrow. It's stewarding the past that gives us access in a sense to the future. And we all want to move forward and have a better life. But sometimes you just got to flat out humble yourself and say, I've lost some ground. I'm going to go back and get it in Jesus name so that it will unlock my future and I can move forward. And that's what this series is all about. That's why the next verse tells us, give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. He says, hey, every once in a while, you just got to stop and say, how am I doing? Like, how am I really doing in my life, in my walk with God, in my heart, in my mind? Sometimes you just got to flat out stop, check it out and say, have I lost some ground? And then you got to do something about it. You got to go back and get it. And God promises he will bless it and make it even better than it was before. And so this series has a different tone and all I'm trying to do is talk to your heart. So one more time, come Holy Spirit, come. Fill this environment in this space. Be the guide that leads us into truth so we can take back what's been lost in Jesus' name. You see, Galatians chapter 5 tells us it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, how many of you know that in Jesus, we have been set free? We have been, period, finished, end of story. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he defeated sin, death, the grave, shame, guilt, condemnation. We have been set free. And if the sun sets you free, 
You are free indeed. You're free in Jesus' name. But how many of you know there is a big difference between being set free and living free? Come on. It's really hard to live free in a world that once again wants to enslave you. In fact, that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you've been set free, but now you got to make sure you live free. Don't lose the ground that Jesus has given you and allow yourselves to once again be in any form of bondage. Come on, think of the Israelites. You remember them? 400 years of Egyptian slavery. 400 years. That's all they've known is generations of bondage, generations of slavery. And then one day God shows up and he sets them free. He defeats Pharaoh, Egypt, wipes the, 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 all of the Egyptian army out, brings them across the Red Sea. I mean, they are as free as they have ever been, as they will ever be. And within a few short days of following God in the desert, they run into a few obstacles, a few hardships, and all of a sudden they want to turn around and go back to Egypt. A few days of living in freedom, a few little obstacles, and they want to turn around and go back and re-enslave themselves. They were set free, but they had no idea how to live free. And it's amazing how we often would rather go back to the comfortability of bondage than press on to the unknown of freedom. It's amazing how we prefer the familiarity of shackles to the unknown of the freedom that we crave. And so we often go back and re-enslave ourselves in the very things that Jesus has set us free from. And so if you've been here in the series, you know what I'm about to ask you. And here's the simple question. How's your freedom? Like right here, right now, today, how's your freedom? And I'm not asking you if you've been set free, because if you believe in Jesus, you are as free in Jesus as you will ever be. You have been completely set free free. So maybe the real question is, is are you living free? In fact, maybe let's just go ahead and put ourselves on the scale like we've been doing the last couple weeks, just between you and God. Like, just be honest, man. Honesty is the beginning of breakthrough when you can humble yourselves. Like, like how you doing? Like, are you over here living in freedom or are you over here living in bondage? Like, like where have you been and where are you today? And maybe have you lost some ground? Like, like right now, and you're like, like, are you living in freedom, man? Are, are you full of life and joy and faith and hope? Are you walking in victory and authority? Are you discovering new things and experiencing God and moving forward and breakthrough? Or are you living in bondage, anxiety, depression, worry, sickness, heartbreak, Sin, temptation, broken patterns. Are you in bondage in your mind, in your heart, in your relationships, in your life? Like, where are you? Have you lost some ground? And wherever you are, maybe it's not where you want to be, but it's not where you have to stay. So let's take some freedom back in Jesus' name. Because I would bet if you're like me, maybe you're not living in as much freedom as you'd really like to be. And if we've been set free in Jesus, then all the freedom that's out there, it already is ours. We've just got to go reclaim it in his name. You see, the question that you have to ask is when you start talking about freedom, it's like, what is, what is freedom? It's a big word. You know, we like to use America and freedom all the time together in that context. And we get so lost in that that sometimes we forget like kingdom freedom. Like, like what is freedom? 
Freedom is simply knowing who you are, who God is, and what you were created to do in Jesus' name. That's freedom. Freedom is having a restored identity, a reconciled relationship with God, and a redeemed purpose. In other words, freedom is the gospel. The gospel is freedom. You say, what is the gospel? It's the good news of the finished work of Jesus. And the gospel is not for eternal life someday. It's for freedom today. Come on. The gospel is not just a prayer you prayed when you were getting this moment of of meeting Jesus for the first time. No, the gospel is for all day, every day. And any area of bondage in your life is a place where you've lost sight of the gospel. In fact, think about this next verse. First Corinthians tells us for the message of the cross, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Think about this. He says the gospel is foolish to those who are in bondage. Anyone who is in a life of bondage, they look at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and it's foolish to them. They think there is no way, no how, some guy dying 2,000 years ago can set me free from the pain and the brokenness in my life. But to those of us who are being saved, it's the freedom of God. For those of us who are being saved, and what I want you to, whenever you read the scriptures, the word saved in the original language is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O. It means to save, heal, or make whole. It does not mean eternal life someday. It means the freedom of God today. When I am saved, I am being saved. I am being set free. I am being made whole. I am being put back together in every area of my life. And it is the gospel of Jesus that saves me, heals me, frees me, makes me whole by the power of God in Christ Jesus. So the question is, So the question is, has the gospel become foolish to you? Because if there's bondage in your life, somewhere along the way it's become foolish. Somewhere along the way it's not been enough to help you live free by your own belief structures. In fact, this is why Paul, he he writes to the Galatian church, a great church, a church that was set free in Jesus, but wasn't living free in him. And he writes to them and he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. He says, hey, hey, the gospel set you free. And when I look at your life, you're in such bondage. And the reason you're in bondage is because you're no longer allowing the gospel to help you live free. You've turned to another gospel. See, there's all kinds of gospels out there. There's all kinds of perceived good news that everybody wants to share. Like there's the gospel of religion. The gospel of religion is try harder, do more, behave better. Anybody ever play by that one? Come on. There's the gospel of the world that says freedom comes from fans, followers, finances, all kinds of of things in life. There's the gospel of self-help. That says, do it yourself, make it happen. You can do this on your own. You don't need anybody else. Those are all kinds of just samplings of the gospel out there. And what we do with the other gospels is it's Jesus plus something. Jesus plus religion will allow me to live free. 
Jesus plus the world will allow me to live free. Jesus plus some self-help. Like, like Jesus, he didn't really do it all. He needs me to help him out a little bit so I can, I can live free. So right now in your life, is it Jesus plus something? Or is it just Jesus, man? Is it just the gospel or has it become foolish? See, here's the crazy part about this whole thing is when you think about it, it's like if we trust God for eternal life someday, why don't we trust him for freedom today? If the gospel is good enough for the destiny of my soul, why is the gospel not good enough for my addiction, my anxiety, my fear, my worry, or my depression? Come on. Has it become foolish? And this is why Paul writes in the next verse, and he says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, that your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. He says, I'm afraid that you will believe that the gospel is foolish, that it's Jesus plus something that allows you to live free in this life. He says, it's just Jesus, man. It's just Jesus that sets you free. It's only Jesus that sets you free. And it's only Jesus that empowers you to live free. And you say, okay, so the gospel then. Well, what is the gospel again? Well, let me show you this when we look at the three circles. If you've been around here, you've seen this before. This is the three circles. The gospel is how God reclaimed us. We were lost and he came to get us and bring us back. And he blessed us in the process and made us even better than we were before. And the gospel is simply God restoring our identity, reconciling our relationship with him and redeeming the purpose for which we were created. The gospel is when we receive his grace, experience his presence and release his kingdom. God's heart for our life is to reclaim identity, relationship and purpose. The most important things in our lives that we lost when Adam fell. And it always starts by receiving his grace, period, period. Everything begins and ends with the grace of Jesus. This is why Jesus is called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the first choice and he gets the last word on everything. Everything begins and ends with the grace of Jesus. And you say, grace, what does that mean? Well, it's not just the forgiveness of your sins. It's the complete transformation of your identity. Grace forgives us of all the brokenness and the shame and the things that we've done, but it completely transforms and restores our identity. We become included in Christ, which means everything that's true of Jesus is now true of you. Anything you read about and discover in Jesus is true of you when you've put your faith in him. In fact, Romans 5, 19 tells us, for just as through the disobedience of one man, Adam, the many were made sinners. He broke our identity. It got lost. So also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Right standing with God. He got our identity back. You see, I want you to think about this. When you were born, you were born in a prison of sin. You were a sinner in need of a savior. That was the extent of your life. You were trapped. You were a slave to sin and there was no way out. And you weren't a sinner because you sinned. You sinned because you were a sinner. Identity determines behavior. It wasn't your behavior that made you a sinner. It was the prison you were born into that determined your identity that then changed your behavior and caused you to live a sinful life. 
But then one day Jesus came, died on the cross, rose again, and now all who believe he has come to rescue us from this prison of sin and put us over here into this position of righteousness. We now are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because of what we do, but because of what he has done. We are righteous not because we live righteously. We live righteously because we are now righteous in Jesus. And just like there was nothing good you could do to get yourself out of the prison of sin, there is nothing bad you can do to get yourself out of the position of righteousness. This is why the Bible tells us in Jesus, you are a slave to righteousness. That's a big word. And you say, why on earth would God choose that word? Because slaves can't set themselves free. You were a slave to sin and you couldn't set yourself free. Guess what? If you believe in Jesus, you are now a slave to righteousness and there is nothing you can do to change it. No failure, no brokenness, no dysfunction. In Jesus' name, he has restored your identity. Period. End of the story. We are more than sinners saved by grace. We are beloved sons and daughters. Okay? Now, when he restores your identity, you now have the faith that he's reconciled your relationship. And you get to experience his presence. You see, you are never meant to walk with a distant God. You are meant to live with a loving father where you're fully known, fully loved, with no fear of rejection. We can boldly run to God because of what Jesus has done. There are no barriers between you and God in Jesus. None. The only barrier that exists is the barrier right here. In your mind of what you think keeps you out of God's presence. You are as close to God as you want to be. Because Jesus died to bring you all the way in. In fact, John 17 tells us, Now this is eternal life that they may know you. Eternal life is not heaven someday. It's knowing God right here, right now in relationship through Jesus. And when our relationship is restored in Jesus, when it's reconciled, we then have a redeemed purpose or we get to start releasing his kingdom. See, not only did Adam break our identity and fracture our relationship with God, he stole our purpose. He got lost. And so the beauty is in Jesus, you don't have to wake up and say, what on earth am I here for? You know exactly what you're here for. You're here to rule and reign with God, to bring heaven to earth, to see the kingdom of God be established in every area of life. In fact, Genesis 1.28, first thing God ever says to man is be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it using its vast resources in the service of God and man. This is your created instructions the instruction manual of how you're supposed to live like what you're supposed to do what you were created for is this be fruitful bring things to the fullness of potential live a life of productive beauty and then multiply reproduce the life of God in you and to the world around you and fill the earth or your area of influence like your job your school your family your home with the knowledge of the glory of the goodness of God and subdue it bring order to chaos bring bring uh, stability to the storms around you and use your resources to accomplish God's purposes in the lives of men that's your created purpose but Adam lost it and so the resurrected Jesus restored it in Matthew 28 when he said Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Like this is what you were created and called to do. So go to the circles for me. This is the gospel. We receive his grace. We experience his presence and we release his kingdom. 
When we know who we are, we know who God is, and we will know what we were created to do. When my identity is restored, my relationship is reconciled, and my purpose is redeemed. If I believe I'm a beloved son, I will run to the Father. I will spend my life building his kingdom instead of my own. But the opposite is true. If I resist his grace, I'll avoid his presence, and I'll spend my life building my own kingdom. If I don't know who I am, I don't know who he is, and I don't know what I'm created to do. If I believe I'm a spiritual orphan, on my own, having to do things for myself, I will be afraid of the Father, and I will spend my life trying to do a bunch of things to take care of myself. Okay. But the opposite is even worse. You see, this is the gospel of religion. It says, do a bunch of stuff so you can earn your way into God's presence so that you can pay for all of the brokenness and the shame of your past. Do a bunch of stuff so you can become significant so one day God just might accept you because you got way too many skeletons in the closet that you're going to have to go ahead and take care of. That is an exhausting way to live. See, we are drawn by grace, not driven by expectations in the kingdom of God. And what you have to remember is identity determines behavior. Who you are determines what you do. This is the gospel. He changes us, sets us free, and it changes how we now live. It's not change how you live and then it will change your identity. No, no, no. It's not change how you live and then you might be set free. No, no, no. It's you already are set free. And when you get that, now you can learn to live free in Jesus' name. Come on, think about it. Identity determines behavior. If you've been with us, help me out. Fish. Birds, dogs, cats, annoy. Sinners, righteous people, beloved sons and daughters live free in their father's kingdom. So if I'm not free, hang on. So if I'm not free, then I've lost some ground with the gospel. So that's the question. This is the gospel. Have you lost some ground? Like, have you lost some ground in your identity? Like, are you allowing what you do and what other people say and, and, and how you perform to determine who you are? Have you lost some ground in your relationship with God, feeling like there's a distance or like he's mad at you or, or avoiding you? Have you lost some ground in your purpose? Like, are you just living for yourself and have you forgot about your mission? Are you building your own kingdom instead of releasing his? Like, like, have you lost ground in this? Have you become insecure, isolated, or selfish? Have you become lost, lonely, or broken? Like, here's how you can tell. Are you having a hard time giving grace to other people in your life? Because if I can't give grace, it's because I'm not receiving grace. So that's a problem. Are you having a hard time with the relationships in your life? Do they seem like they're all sliding in the wrong direction? Well, Man, when I'm walking in relationship with God, he makes all my relationships better. So maybe I've lost some ground here. Or, or have you gotten to this place where, where just, can I just say it? You're just flat out selfish, bro. Like you have no mission in your life. Nothing really has to do with God's kingdom. Your money, your time, your energy, your influence, it's all about you. That's a really in bondage way to live. Can I tell you something? The freest place to be is when you're releasing the Father's kingdom, not trying to build your own. Why? Because if I'm included in Christ, 
then everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to me. So by releasing his kingdom, I'm just setting up my inheritance anyways. Some of you are out there thinking you have to work for your own inheritance. Jesus already worked for it for you, bro. Come on. And if you're sitting here and you're like, did I come to church today to hear about these three circles thing again? Yes, you did. (laughs) And if that's your attitude, that tells you you've lost ground in the gospel. Because guess what? Free people love to be reminded of their freedom. I mean, Romans 5.17, it says that for the trespass, the failure, the sin of one man, Adam, death reigned through that one madam or that one man, Adam. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, circle one, and the gift of righteousness, circle two, relationship, reign in life, circle three, through the one man, Jesus Christ. He says, if death reigned through Adam, if Adam lost everything, put us in bondage, how much more? God reclaimed us and blessed us. Will those of us who receive God's grace and righteousness reign in life? Which means one of two things. You are either reigning in life or life is reigning over you. Come on. You're either reigning in Jesus' name, walking in victory and authority, or guess what? Everything else is reigning over you. It's one or the other, man. So sometimes, here's the deal. Sometimes you just got to stop, stop all the chaos of life and stop and say, stop. In Jesus' name, I am set free. Sometimes you just got to stop and you got to say anxiety, worry, depression, fear, temptation, pornography, brokenness. I'm, no, I am set free. You do not reign over me. So thank you, God, that I'm free. Thank you, God, that you set me free. God, I need a little more of your grace today because I'm not necessarily living free, but I know if I'm set free in you, then I can live free in you. And so today I say, I'm set free. See, hear me. If you believe you're in bondage, you will live like you're in bondage. Why? Because your beliefs determine your behavior. If you walk around and genuinely believe in your soul, you are in bondage. You will live like you're in bondage. But if you start walking around like, I'm free in Jesus' name. I don't feel it. And my behaviors may not line up with it. But if I've been set free in Jesus, I'm going to keep declaring that over my life. Because if I've been set free in him and I start to believe that, I will start living free in him. This is why Galatians tells us. It is for freedom that Christ has set you. You are free. So do not let yourselves be burdened again. Don't let yourselves go back to bondage because in Jesus' name, he set you free. Don't look at what you want to be free from. Look at the one who has set you free. Come on, stop focusing on the anxiety and the fear and the worry and the doubt and whatever, whatever bondage that's in your mind, in your life. Stop giving it authority and start looking to the one who set you free. Come on. If you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself like, oh, man, there's so much bondage in my life. Like, what's wrong with me? There's nothing that's wrong with you. There are a lot of things that are wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you that you're struggling. There's a lot of things that is wrong with you and wrong with me. And it's the grace of Jesus that has come to set us free and help us live free. Come on, you with me on this? 
And this is why Titus 2 says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It's grace that sets you free. This same grace teaches us how to, goes on to say, live free. It's grace that sets you free and it's grace that helps you live free in Jesus' name. It is not about what you do, it's about what Jesus has done. And if we spend more time talking about what you have to do than what Jesus has done, something's wrong. And if we spend more time talking about what you have done than we do talking about what Jesus is doing, something is wrong. He has set you free and it's his grace that's helping you live free. Grace upon grace is how you go from glory to glory. Grace upon grace is how you go from victory to victory. Grace upon grace is how you go from freedom to freedom in Jesus' name. Are you with me on that? Okay, two more quick things. Go to uh, John 1.14 for me, please. Listen, this is what it says. Man, I'm like talking so fast, I know. You have no idea how fast this little time clock runs. It's like, okay. Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus is grace and truth. He bought both, both grace and truth. And Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So put these two things together. Jesus is grace and truth and Jesus says truth will set you free. So it's grace that leads me to truth and it's truth that sets me free. So if I'm not free, means I'm believing a lie. And if I'm believing a lie, I need grace to unearth it in Jesus' name. Okay, let me try to illustrate it for you like this. Um, a while back, my little girl, she came home and somebody had, a little, another little kid had said something to her and it really impacted her feelings. It was an identity statement. Somebody said something cutting to her about who she was and she believed it. It was a lie and it got in her mind and it got in her heart and she did the whole kid thing. You know, I don't want to talk about all that stuff. And finally I got her pulling it out and she started telling me what it was. And, and I could watch it. See, she actually started to believe what this kid said about her was true. And I was watching as it was literally putting bondage in her life. And so I started asking her questions and we went through this little dialogue. And I said, I said hey, Emma, I said, um, I said, what are the four core things that you always have to remember? Every night I ask my kids to tell me back what's the four most important things they need to know in life. And she said back to me that God is good. Jesus has forgiven me. I am loved. And everything is possible. The gospel in kids' language. If you want to know what's at the center of the universe, it's right here. You don't have to get on a spaceship and have like a Hubble telescope to like try to figure out what's in that black hole. <laughs> the four core truths that hold the entire universe together is God is good. Jesus has forgiven me. I am loved and everything is possible. And she said those and I said, okay, so is what that little boy said about you, does it line up with those? She said, no. I said, then what does that mean? She said, it, it means it's a lie and it's not true. I said, you're right. I said, and you can't, you, can't, you can't determine what happens to you, but you can determine what happens in you. I said, so in Jesus' name, why don't we remove that, throw it over here and replace it with truth? And I watched as a little girl took this lie out, put it over here, replaced it with truth, declared the gospel over her life. I literally had her say the words out loud. God is good. Jesus has forgiven me. I am loved. Everything is possible. And all of a sudden I watched as this new level of freedom came into her life. Why? Because grace brought truth and truth set her free. You see, those four things, the gospel is a filter over your mind and your heart. 
and you have to decide in a world that's full of bondage and all the stuff is coming at you, that's the filter that you hold up here and say, if it doesn't agree with that, I reject it. If it doesn't agree with the gospel, I reject it in Jesus' name. So here's the question. Has stuff gotten into your heart and your mind that doesn't agree with those things? Because that's where you're believing a lie. And if Satan is only a squatter, he wants to deceive you in thinking that he owns the rights to your life. And he is empowered through your agreement. He's defeated in Jesus' name. But when you believe a lie, you empower the liar, you give him authority and right to stay. So here's the question. What lie are you believing in the area that you're not living free? What in your life doesn't line up with these things? Because that's why you don't feel free. Even though in Jesus, you've been set free. Come on. If you don't feel free, I would challenge you. Every day for the next 30 days. Say, in Jesus, I am free because God is good. Jesus has forgiven me. I am loved and everything is possible. And say it out loud like you mean it. Because guess what? When you start to believe you're free, you'll start to live free. But when you believe those lies about all kinds of junk, you'll live like you're in bondage. Come on, man. Again, let me just... Why do we trust the gospel for eternal life someday, but not freedom today? Why will we trust the destiny of our soul to the gospel, but we won't trust our addiction, our anxiety, our depression, our worry, our shame, our doubt, our fear, our control, our brokenness, our pride. Why won't we trust that with the gospel? Come on, this is why Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for all who believed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not turning my back on it. I don't think it's powerless. I think it set me free and I want it to help me live free in Jesus' name. So the question is, have you lost some belief? Have you lost some belief about the power of the gospel? Has it become foolish to you? Not so foolish that you won't trust it for your destiny, but foolish enough that you won't trust it for today's freedom. Let's take it back in Jesus' name. And the question is, is if we sit here and say, okay, well, if I lost ground, if I've lost some freedom, how do I get it back? You get it back the same way you got it in the first place. Confession and repentance. By just owning it. How did you get set free in the first place? You said, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Would you please come reclaim me? I'm there. And now years, months, weeks, whatever it is, later, we don't feel very free. So what do you do then? You say, Jesus, I'm a beloved son or daughter, but I'm not living very free right now. Would you please come and help me reclaim my freedom? I'm there. Come on. How about this? What if you just ask him? And when was the last time you just said, hey, Jesus. I am so in bondage in this area. Can you just help me, please? I humble and submit and surrender myself and say, I just, I need you. Come on. Let Jesus reclaim you. Let me close with this. Do you remember the story of the good shepherd that Jesus tells? 
He tells a story that a shepherd has a hundred sheep and they're in a field in the green pasture in a place of freedom and protection and one wanders off and it gets lost. And the shepherd, he wants to reclaim that sheep. So he leaves the 99 and he goes to pursue it. He seeks to save that which was lost. And when he gets to that lost sheep, he wants to reclaim it, but that sheep has to allow him to reclaim it. The sheep has to stop running and wandering and fighting and hiding. It just has to surrender. Say, I'm lost and I don't know my way home. And it says he picks it up, puts it on his shoulders and walks it all the way back to freedom. Interesting. Reclaims it and blesses it because there's a totally different level of intimacy that that sheep and that shepherd now have in the process of restoration of freedom. Come on. What kind of freedom has gotten lost in your life? Let the good shepherd come and reclaim you. He's come to seek and save that which was lost. All things. He has set you free. And it's his grace that allows you to live free. It's not Jesus plus religion. It's not Jesus plus the world. It's not Jesus plus self-help. It's not Jesus plus money, finances, fame, fortune, a perfect life, a perfect house, a perfect marriage, perfect circumstances, perfect situations. It's just Jesus. That's the gospel. And it is the power of God for all who believe to be set free and live free in Jesus' name. So you close your eyes with me. Come on, what's, what's Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he saying to you in this moment, in this time in your life right now? There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In fact, I think the Holy Spirit has come here today to remind you, hey, I've set you free. And I know we haven't been living free in this area over here, so let's, let's turn back. Let's turn back to the gospel. Let's turn back to grace. Let's turn back to the finished work of Jesus. You don't even have to do anything, but just turn back to him. And so in Jesus' name, let's take it back. Come on. A gospel that's only powerful enough to set you free but not help you live free. A gospel that's only power enough for, for powerful enough for eternal life someday, not freedom today, is a gospel with really no power at all. And this is not a message of foolishness. It's the wisdom of God today to say to you, I've unlocked the prison door. You've been walking in circles in that cell for years. It's time to just walk out. The door's been open for years. Come follow me to freedom. So here's what I want to do. One more time, I just want to say, if you're here and you just say, I want more freedom in my life at whatever campus you're at, I just want to invite you to stand up by faith. If you're just saying in your own house, I just want more freedom in my life. You stand up by faith. You don't have to do this. Whatever campus you're at, nobody's looking. You just stand up. And if that's you and you stand up, you just say, I want more freedom. I just want to invite you. Open up your hands. Kind of turn to a posture of surrender. Come on, in Jesus' name, we say anxiety, you must go. In Jesus' name, we say fear, you must go. 
In Jesus' name, we say worry and depression and addiction, you must go. In Jesus' name, we say sickness and brokenness and darkness, you must go. In Jesus' name, we say schizophrenia and bipolar things and things in our mind that get us all lost and knotted up. We say, you must go. In Jesus' name, we say shame and condemnation and guilt. You must go. In Jesus' name, we say the squatter of darkness, you have no right or authority in my life. You must go. Because in Jesus' name, I have been set free. And in Jesus' name, I allow his grace to help me live free. Come on. In fact, if that's you, why don't you just say out loud, say, in Jesus' name, I am free. Come on. In Jesus' name, I am free. Let's say it again like you mean it. In Jesus' name, I am free. Yeah, you are by his grace and by his gospel and by his finished work. So let's live it in Jesus name. Come on. If you've been sitting down, why don't you stand up with us? Come on. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've been doing in the series and in our lives. May today be the beginning point, a turning point of the journey forward. Today, we don't hang back. We move forward and we say we're taking back what's been lost in Jesus name. And we leave this place today reminded of who you are, what you have done, the power of the gospel. And this week, when we try to get when Satan comes to deceive and intimidate and discourage, we say he has no right or authority because we are free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.